Hello, hello. Hi, Tzili. Welcome to Tuzamen, another episode. Hi, Tzipi. And everybody Hi. knows that we are here to learn new things and meet new people. Yes. And actually, we have to admit that we don't know you, but we know about we you. We know, we know, we yeah. know, we know. We know I about you a lot. Oh, you did. I, I did speak with Suleiman. This is Suleiman Khatib, uh, a Palestinian. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you, Suleiman. And um, we'll, uh, as we discuss things, we'll know more and more about you. Uh, I think the unusual part that uh, um, that you basically grew up in the jail in Israel. And I'll let you talk about it. Uh, you were 14, I think, when you entered the jail, right? You were hurting uh, Israeli soldiers and you sat uh, in the Israeli jail and you came out a peace fighter. So this Which is, is amazing. a hell of a journey. And you know, I think most of us saw the, the boys, the, the mini series that HBO made about the tragic story of few teenagers from both sides. And it's really hard to understand the psyche of a 14 year old getting up in the morning, doing what he's doing because of something that led to something that influences the rest of his life. Can you walk us through like hand by hand to understand a little bit the whole journey? Uh, thank you for uh, having me here. I'm really nice to thank meet you. you. Uh, if it was not like the corona and the restriction and the permits and all the system, would like to have this in person actually. Right. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I'm still in the journey and still learning, of course. Uh, and of course, things have a, a connection between each other. Uh, so we have to maybe see things in the context of ongoing, uh, um just the system that I honestly like still oppose uh, the system. Uh, and for me personally, like in a short cut and feel free to ask me about anything, uh, my journey is not like a, a out of the blue. It's happening here like more often um, in, in our side of the world, unfortunately. Uh, and as you mentioned, I, I started my, my struggle, my journey when I was uh, very uh, uh, young, from a young age. Uh, I already knew, like, if I want to speak, like, in my heart, honestly, when I was in the school at the time, I knew I don't want to follow the, the norms that exist here, socially, politically, everything. Even though I was not so much aware intellectually uh, of this journey, but it's in my soul, it's in my heart uh, to uh, struggle for uh, freedom and for dignity. And uh, I am very connected to my identity as an indigenous person that grew up in a family that basically grew up around Jerusalem mountains for generations and like centuries. My family actually has uh, uh, their name recorded in the Ottoman uh, recording, which is wow. five centuries ago. So my family is a uh, heritage 
and culture and tradition is coming really from a long history in this place. And of course, this shaped me, uh, my connection to my uh, community and to the land and to the earth and to uh, the moon and everything around us uh, here. So in my time, just like to make it clear, I'm 49 years old. So in my time, uh, my school was under Israeli control, uh, like everything else around here. So I grew up around Jerusalem area. And basically, uh, I used to play the flute. Uh, and also this connected me to music and to uh, more folklore music and revolutionary music. So I've been drawn to revolutionary path in my life, which is not the easiest choice to do, and it's not the easiest uh, type of life, but that's how, who I am. So you had a band? Uh, hmm? you, ha you had a band? You played with few people? I, yeah, I, I had a flute. I played like when, when I was a child, like my family had a flute. Yeah, but you know. I do it with myself and also like a few kids at the time, okay. nothing organized. And this is part of the tradition actually and the folklore here. But also there is like, there was a, a secret illegal uh, music which is called revolutionary music. This was secret, even on my family, they didn't know. So I used to have a cassette back in the days from the romantic time that were illegal and secret. So because yeah. you can get arrested for that at the time because it was political songs. So I was connected a lot to this also uh, and to other things like secret magazines and like... Uh, but it was not sorry. punk, right? It was not punk music, right? No, it's right? a flute, come on. No, no, no. Uh, he said it flute. was revolutionary. So he was connected, yeah. he read magazines and he, yeah. he read about yeah. revolutionary music. So mm -hmm. I'm asking if it also included, you know, but like the punk music? Yeah, it, it's more like a Palestinian, uh, there was a Palestinian band outside of Palestine, Lebanon and right. other places. They play this music specifically. Um, so this connected me to the cause like um, emotionally and the spiritual level without understanding intellectually exactly what are things because yeah. I was very little. Anyway, so I joined like, uh, and it's really important maybe here to mention uh, that we are grow, grow up in different reality and different story and different narratives. So I am aware maybe you guys or maybe some of your audience would be growing up in a, a total different reality than I do, though we live in the same uh, land. Right. Uh, so this is just important to mention. So I joined the uh, resistance when I was 14. Basically, like a um, local group. It's not a, a organized something. Anyways, so when I was 14, I, did the, I was drawn to what we call a military armed struggle. Okay. And you know, the question, we'll go back maybe to this, or and we talked a lot about it in the book, and in many conversations, uh, like in every, I would say, conflict Zoom, there is this conversation about violence and nonviolence, which path is like the more effective one. Um, so in my age, I, when I was 14, I was drawn to, you know, military struggle. Let's call you know it that we were, we did a, a program about terrorism. It's nothing to do with you now. 
but we were talking about de-radicalization mm. and radicalization. Mm -hmm. So actually you described us how you, the radicalization process, how you enter this world of, uh, you know, to fight against occupation or, or mm -hmm. to fight for freedom. Yeah. Um, but later, of course, we, will ask you how the de-radicalization happens. But let him, let's him, wait. Uh, okay, let's go on with the journey. Yeah, yeah, I'm going back to like yes. uh, the root of the story. Yes. The, That's the connected to who I am today. And of course, through the journey and the transformation and the beliefs and how uh, my worldview change. We'll talk about that, obviously. Yeah, so like mainly like uh, in a shortcut, like when I was 14, I did uh, everything I could at the time. You know, like, like to be honest, uh, uh, I like to be more honest than being politically correct. So when okay, I was 14, okay. of course, I was drawn, you know, Che Guevara, Arafat, long hair, and Kofiya, and nickname, and uh, trainings in a cave, and mountains, and all of this. Teenager. Uh, Teenager. Yeah, basically like that. And I had a little uh, kids that were my group, and I was coordinating my group. So this also gives you an you know, adrenaline of like a bigger boy and also challenging the system which represent in my eyes at the time with a heavy, like a big Israeli army and the settlements. So it gives you like a broad and adrenaline, a lot of adrenaline. So who and was your model? Who, did, who was a figure that you admired at this age? As I said at the time, like, you know, uh, Arafat, maybe, and Che Guevara, like these kind of okay. figures were like the one model we look for. And uh, also my older brother was in jail, so I used to visit him. So I interacted with political prisoners. Mm -hmm. um, and the, at the time, of course, you know, like many people choose not to be activists, so they could live a bit of a normal life between two practices. And the, the minority that choose to struggle, they basically the one pay the price. So, so there is kind of admiration for this type of people, for this community. What about your parents? Wait, what wait, your parents? Wait, wait, no, wait. no, 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 no. Yes, no. My, my father used to work in Jerusalem municipality. He was apolitical, he was not active. Like many people would say, running for like a survival needs and for our life you know, to work and have money for us and want us to be, to obey the system, but that's not yeah. exactly my, my style. Uh, uh, so I did the, like from throwing stones, the training and cocktail Molotov, or Molotov cocktail, I forget, like in English, always a challenge. Yeah. And also I end up with one guy from my village. I was 14 and five months, he was 17 and a half. Uh, and he's not from an active family, even not him, not his family, but his family's house was demolished by the army. And if we talk about the house demolition policy, it still exists, unfortunately, maybe you hear in the news. Just, just a second, we need to explain about the demolishing the houses. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. We're talking about a reality that not everybody is aware of because everybody has their opinion or they don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're talking about two people, the, the Palestinians and the Jews, that are rooted in the same territory with a very different narrative of a story of, uh, of the roots. And the, under the occupation, you have the Palestinians that basically need to live by the Israeli rules. 
and it's being captured by the by the Israeli soldiers. Yeah. And if anybody is uh, being caught uh, um, for a terrorist attack, they demolish their home, they blow up their homes, they take the family out, and they blow up the yeah. houses. Okay. And, and even nothing to do with like attacks yeah. or something like that. You have to get permits to build for buildings, and the permit is not available anyway. It's a, a whole complex bureaucracy, and uh, so the, this family house was demolished at the same, like under the same excuses, uh, no permits, whatever. And so he joined me in attacking two Israelis, and the intention was is to have weapons. That was my our intention without exact plan. I was fourteen and five months at the time. Yeah, so uh, we thought we will like attack two Israelis, take their weapons, and then use it, uh, and to become like uh, fighters. That was the intention. Yeah, so they were from Jerusalem. They were like around twenty years old, and we used knives against them in my area. And this uh, incident uh, operation ended up with slightly wounded for the two Israelis were wounded slightly. And uh, this was in the news and they draw us and they checked everybody in my village. They did a curfew. They checked everyone. We escaped to other villages. Uh, and then the army arrested us after like three days. And that's my life before jail. So I was uh, the youngest prisoner for a while. How long it took them to catch you? Three days. Three days. Three days and then you were taken in. You know, yeah. if you, if I'm thinking about people who listen to us, you're talking about 14 years and five months. Um, everybody knows kids that age. So it depends who is watching. For some kids, they're in camp now having fun. For some kids, they do some little work over the summer. Uh, for some places, they're being a, a, either soldiers or, or a workers or being abused by other people. It's very different in every area. It's very, yeah. the 14-year-old can be very totally different existent in different societies. Those who think yeah. like us, we don't have to uh, convince and to explain. Do, those who think against us or against this attitude would like to see it in a very different way. What would you say in a very general way, but personally to everybody, so maybe we can change the idea for one person or two people uh, mm -hmm. to look at things a little bit uh, differently? Yeah, it's important for me to uh, strengthen what you said, that we're talking about the reality of occupation. Yeah. And that means a lot of humiliation and a lot of things happening daily, honestly, which people, maybe many of the audience here, even they don't hear about or they don't want yeah. to hear about. They find excuses. So I'm aware of this because, uh, um, like, if you live in Tel Aviv, where you are right now, I believe, it's a, it's a very different reality, like for a Palestinian kid that live around Jerusalem in a village that has no access to the sea, that has no rights, basically. And in my time, even it was harder, maybe. Uh, um, so the responsibility also 
the kids are really different. I'm not coming from a privileged uh, family, maybe that kind of middle-class family. Um, and also, my, as I said, my school was under Israeli control. It's nothing to do with the idea, some people think incitement in the school, in the mosque, in the house. I was not even religious person or my family were not necessarily, you know, like anti whatever, it's, it's, it's not that. Uh, and I don't think the problem is the kids. Anyway, in the first place. No, that's, say, but even more I'm, than that, because Trilly knows, and you know, you know that the, situ the situation is very complex. And a 14 years old cannot really even start, nobody explained him the complexity. Mm -hmm. Not that the 14 years old, you cannot educate. Nobody even talk about the complexity of the conflict. It's not mm -hmm. just, you know, because you personally experience so many incidents, like you said, humiliation and, and, and blowing up a house near of your friend. And so the images that you filter in your soul, you know, don't yeah. have, don't allow even to look at the complexity it's because this is something because this is something that you live and you experience and it's mm -hmm. very hard to come and oh let's talk about complexity. So yeah. when you I'm, yeah yeah even in like in, in my case in my time and at the time like for example my village historically belonged to Jerusalem district. It's like seven minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes from the center of Jerusalem. So okay. Jerusalem was always for my family, for my community, is the center of our life. Like not just in the religious like aspect, my haircut was in Jerusalem, like the school of my brother there, my, uh, my father worked there. And all of a sudden between my village and Jerusalem in the empty spaces, they built a settlement at the time, which means also like the threat of you losing the safety, losing your space, your homeland is real. It's not even in theory or a dream. So there is no need for someone to explain to you or like to incite you or this theories. I just want to like really explain this. Uh, that doesn't mean of course, like there is incitements everywhere, of course. Uh, but the reality itself, as you described, and I can describe much more like detailed how you go through every day. The reality is like uh, you you wake up as a child, you know these soldiers are not your soldier. These are to humiliate you right. and to control your freedom. And they represent something bad for us. Of course, I understand how what they represent for Israelis. They it's not your reality, it's not right. your life. But this is the opposite for, for a Palestinian like eyes. Uh, Anyway, so I, I was, uh, as I said, like I, as a political prisoner, uh, you know, of course, I went to- before, before being political prisoner, yeah. I want to enter the jail with you. You're 14 and five months. Do they treat 14 and five months as they treat 24 or they- so this is, uh, uh, yeah. Thank you. This is important to mention because we live in the occupied territories. So the law here is a military law. So whether you are on the right or the left, there is, this is a fact, it's not like an opinion. The Israeli law, the normal even Israeli law is not practiced on us because we are not Israeli. Uh, so basically when you get arrested, you go to a military jail and you uh, charged by a military judgment, judge. 
uh, whether you are 14 or you are 40 years old, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so basically you've been taken to a military jail and that's really important to mention. So let's say the same incident that happened by Israeli settler in West Bank live next to me. We don't go to the same facility, the same law. It's a different system. That's really a fact here still exists. So I went to, you know, investigation at the beginning of, of jail, which means uh, you go through a lot of uh, psychological and physical torture. I was, uh, um, as I said, I was young, so I, I, I knew a little bit what the method they use, but still you are alone, you are taken from your family, from your freedom, and you go through a lot of, uh, uh, of torture. So, yeah, this is not the nicest time to speak about, and uh, the nicest like in my right. life to speak about because it really uh -huh. it makes a lot of traumas like this experience, a lot of fear and uh, a lot of unknown, and a lot of uh, uh, playing with your psychology also at that are time. You, are you carry with you? I, I know that I'm jumping a little bit, but I know I can already know you that you can go back to where you were. But are you, do you carry with you until now what we call a kind of post-trauma from your jail? Do you, do you, mm. so I, it comes yeah, into I, your dreams? Yeah. yeah, let me say that I, I am dealing with, I like dealt with these traumas like compared to other people, but that's not the case for other thousands of people, just to be honest. Uh, and to describe the reality because I traveled and I had access to a therapist and trauma healing, which I believe is really important for, uh, for, for humans anyway, and generally, and especially here in a conflict zone. Uh, I was not aware of that all the time. I also don't have the privilege to do that once I'm out of jail, I spent 10 years and five months. So of course I carry a lot of traumas from that time because it's as i said it's a jail it's not like a you're in a how university. long 10 years 10 years and five. I spent you were there 10 years. wow yeah suleiman how long it took you to switch to turn to to the peace process where mm. you come from how, because you know you grow up things happen uh and you basically uh, on your own and something is happening yeah. to turn the whole thing to the other side, and you're still very young. A turning point. Yeah. Um, so, like, um, I didn't really have a magical one something in Hollywood like happened to me, and then I'm uh, like in love with, with you course, guys. That's of course, of course, of course. So, just to say, I went through a journey, let's call it process of changing. Uh, like, I used the jail time as much as I could, despite, you know, the, the horrible, like, you know, torture and everything. You know, we did a lot of hunger strike in jail, a food hunger strike. Uh, the prisoners, the political prisoners were very organized. And we used to call this a revolutionary university where we teach each other to become leaders and strong leaders. So the first, like, let's say time that I experienced that nonviolence works was through hunger strike. I was 15 in a hunger strike with other teenagers in my uh, section, we are like teenagers under 18 years old. And we uh, did a hunger strike for 16 days where you don't eat, uh, oh. you just drink a lot of uh, water and salt. 
that's why it's called in Arabic and in Hebrew, Mayumelh. It's very famous principle in our tradition and the culture and religion, but also in jail a lot because it's connected to the hunger strike, the food hunger strike. That's where I learned like patient and nonviolence can work. And nonviolence doesn't mean you don't do anything, rather it's a very strong action um, to uh, achieve our demands. And the demands were to improve the daily life in jail and we always succeed with solidarity among the prisoners and so on. So this is a very important experience, not from reading books about, you know, like nonviolence teachers in the world, with my respect, Gandhi, Mandela and others, which I did read later. Uh, but rather, firstly, it comes from the experience that uh, nonviolence is really stronger than violence, like the choice of nonviolence. And it's not coming from weaknesses, rather the opposite and yes. it also allows your, your your dreams and your soul to open up like to free because like for me i don't believe there is a Palestinian freedom without israeli liberation together or the other way around i believe we are connected and honestly i was thinking a lot about this intellectually and or spiritual wise I read books, I studied Hebrew, I studied your narrative and our narrative from different eyes. And it led me to the same conclusion. One, there is no military solution for our conflict and nobody's leaving here, I mean the sides. And the second thing is really like, uh, this liberation, it includes all sides, including the side that's more like on control, in charge, because I'm aware of the power dynamic. You know, I was in jail when I went through all these changes. I'm aware we are prisoners and the Israelis are the one putting us in jail and the one in power. But somehow you need to see beyond these walls and to dream bigger. And I know this is not a mainstream like ideas. It's Usually this revolutionary idea seems impossible, like everywhere in other conflicts that happen in history. Uh, so my journey was like really uh, a long way. And also you go through hell, like some nights you think, okay, you are in a group and I grew up in a city where it's more a community type. It's not individualism like in the right. West, different culture. And I grew up with a kind of prisoners activist group i can't think so much out of them because i live with them these are my second family mm. my comrades we do hunger strikes together we we laugh together we got tear gas together we you know like these people i know them more than my family so you need really like to let your soul dream out of the walls out of the rules of your group of the jail in order oh. to dream of a of a freedom oh, yeah. or Tell me something, it's really a terrible question in a way. Yeah, please ask what, what it, Well, I, later I have something else to tell you, but did you meet, when you first met with kindness from Israel, Israelis, when, when you met Israelis who were kind to you, nice to you, embraced you, could I, you know, could feel your whatever pain, regrets, thoughts, questions when was it how old were you when you really met with yeah normality yeah. Uh, of yeah. the other 
Thank you. I just want to put the context. Generally, the meeting, the encounter happened here. I'm generalizing even in West Bank specifically between us and the Israelis. Usually the encounter happened on the checkpoint with a soldier or in jail with the police. That's the Israelis I know. Obviously, when I was a child, because my father worked in Jerusalem, I knew different Israelis as well. Um, even my haircut was Israeli, like uh, uh, when I was a child. But when I was growing up, uh, you know, the police and the investigator and the soldiers are like all Israelis. Uh, and my first meetings with normal non-army Israelis that feel also um, understanding me. More <laughs> that human, was, yeah. After jail, after jail, I meet people uh, in different circles and different meetings. That's why I believe like meeting the other and dialogue is still is really important because we carry a lot of stereotype and and the uh, challenges and traumas. So I met like Israelis that are not carrying weapons and also they um, have a place for my story and for my narrative. And that's really a very central part of my change is really what we call it meet the enemy. And do you know, we can talk about it later, this is not accepted in any site, like historically in any conflict zone. And that's why many people are afraid of meeting that enemy because they have to change because then you have to see eye and eye and like the enemy is not enemy anymore it's just a human like you with all the behaviors and the dreams and the fears and yeah and we are the same and of course specifically in our case um like i believe israelis and Palestinians have a lot in common anyway despite the separation like system and of course that's what i would say even to the people that listening for some of them, the Israelis that supposedly radical on, on the solidarity with the Palestinian, these are the one or the only one almost that humanize the Israelis in front of the eyes of Palestinians. I want to repeat this because it's really important because I know they suffer from being uh, called cheaters and they love Palestinians and uh, they are not Israelis anymore. This is zero truth because I know many of these people and these people uh, like helped me, help many Palestinians to change, to humanize the Israelis, that not all the Israelis, just this soldier on the checkpoint or the settler with the weapon. And the other way around, I am not comparing also for many Palestinians that they think what I do or people like me reaching out to the Israelis and working together and getting together, like we're sold out, we are not Palestinians anymore, I don't, need to prove myself to anybody. I was in jail for enough time. My family still suffer in area C. I can talk about this later. Uh, unfortunately, the more you suffer, the more you suffer, the more you were in jail, the more Palestinian you are. And for, like in the Israelis, the more you serve in the army, the more whatever radical you are, like in the right, you are more Israelis. And this is really not truth. I also helped many Israelis to, as a messenger maybe, as a bridge, because I know Hebrew, I know people from both sides to open their heart to the Palestinian cause also and to our community. I think this is really important to, to mention this because I know I the criticism that, happening here. You there. know, I think that many of us on both sides act uh, upon, upon fear 
you know, they don't know and they're afraid to find out and they rather to stay blocked by what they think than uh, break through and uh, change their uh, ideas. And uh, there are many reasons why we are stuck, but this is one, the fear is a major one. And I'm not talking about politically now and all the leaders right. and their agendas, right. you know, because this is another story. This is not what we need to, right. to talk about here. But, you know, I was wondering in the process in jail, how many prisoners were part of your journey in turning into peace activists? And if you discussed it with the, the Israeli team that was working in jail, guarding mm -hmm. you, so firstly, we don't have any conversations in that direction with the Israeli team. That's not the relationship, is not balance, is not cooperation. That's not the case. Like we represent in jail the Palestinian narrative. They represent the Israeli system. Yeah. Generally. Of course, there is some individual conversation here, there. Uh, like, uh, so talking about like, the truth is like, let me say this generally speaking, um, because we will ask your question a different way. How many people I would represent? I don't know because you know, people change the journey takes longer time for some people, for some people shorter time. Uh, so it's really hard for me to know like, you know, in a research, like really exactly how many people, but what I know is this, uh, the prisoners community at the time are one of the only communities that they have between to practice the opportunity to kind of um, learn Hebrew, let's say, yeah. which is the language here comes to the conversation. Yeah, because part, my change was part of it, also the language learning. Yeah, we don't know. He, we don't know Arabic. Yeah, obviously. So like many people, and now it's funny because some people that change in jail that studied Hebrew like me, um, because it bring you the culture, the history, their story, like your story, I read it from your eyes. That's what helped me because usually we read about each other from each other's eyes, right. filtered. It's a different story. Right. Like all this, what's called like uh, analyze exception, uh, uh, sp uh, uh, expert of Arabic affairs, these kind of, of people that Israelis read for, or Palestinian that wrote about Zionism and the Jewish state and the Israeli, da, da, da. when you read from Israeli eyes, of course, it's different. So, so I would say like many of the prisoners like really uh, also practice non-violence through hunger strike and other things. So I would see a lot of openness there, uh, let me say. And after jail, when I started uh, talking about non-violence and uh, alliances from Palestinians to meet with Israelis. The first one I brought with me alongside were prisoners, ex-prisoners. Wow. And that's maybe important. And you know, we can also go to the history and talk about the Mandela experience and right. others. The prisoners have the central import, yeah. like uh, here, and especially that the prisoners have a credibility in our society to be brave and to speak out their mind. And that's really important to lead this change, I would say, yeah. and to be part of this change. Yeah. Listen, I, I must uh, do a confession here. First of all, for me, thank you, Tzili, <laughs> for bringing Suleiman to us and to me now. Uh, 
I must tell you something that you, I think, going to give me maybe, if not, I will make a film about you, a documentary. Anybody did a documentary about you? There yeah. is a documentary about combatants or beasts. I'm my story. No, 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 no. Let me listen and you know what I'm looking for. I'm coming from a different place because I try to understand people like you. I made a film in Tira mm -hmm. about two brothers-in-law. One is uh, Yusuf Mansour, who was in jail. He was the first uh, Israeli Arab who was sentenced to death. Death. Uh, he was um, released in the exchange of prisoners. Yeah, yeah. And his brother-in-law, Riyadh, who has a big uh, Photoshop in Tira. Mm -hmm. Tira is an Arab city inside Israel. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. when I make a documentary, I would like to understand something. Otherwise, what the point, mm -hmm. right? Something I don't understand. And I did want to understand how somebody who went to a journey like you, because Yusuf uh, at age 19 was blamed of putting a hand grenade in a bus in Farsab. And then he was then going, he went to jail. With all my encounters with him, he express is the change he went through that he is against violence, but I never understood how he acts upon it, right? Mm -hmm. Then I did now, I finished a film about um, a feature film, cinema. And one of the main characters is what you call a freedom fighter and when we call a terrorist, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and I didn't find an answer. Mm -hmm. I didn't find an answer, and Silly knows it because he's one of the producers, because we, you, us, her, and quite a few, I really would like to change. Yeah. But can we influence our sons? In my feature film, I try to understand friendship between two women, Jewish and Arab. They will maintain their friendship. Mm -hmm. They don't have control on their sons. Mm -hmm. One of them is going to fight in the West Bank. The other one is going to go underground and become, you know, what he called, you know, to revenge. Now I meet you. <laughs> and suddenly there is a first one because I need more. I did the more films which try to understand that. Mm -hmm. Now I meet you. I think it's the right time to go to your uh, organization because I think that um, it's important to understand how you built it, how you created it, why did you choose this name, what do you do, what do you present, and um, what can be done with it. I wish I could hug you. <laughs> Jeez, we met, no? We can hug uh, from afar. So, yeah, 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 in our thoughts. Uh, thank so. you. Okay. Uh, thanks for uh, expressing your uh, feelings. Yeah, really. yeah, I am completely, you cannot see, but I'm like overwhelmed from happiness. Uh, uh, let me say that I, I, like it's really important for me, and we always speak about that. Uh, it's really not about me personally or about this or that person. Everybody's ability to change is there. And that's jumping to a little comment about the organization or the communities I'm active with. And that's what we say always. If we, as ex-fighters, could change, 
then everybody is able to change because these are the people that fought each other like at some point in their life. Uh, so I really believe in change, like totally. I believe uh, people born with, the, as Mandela spoke, people don't born with hate, of course. And you spoke about the fear that exists. I, I think, think we're born with everything. Depends yeah. what we activate and it depends right. how we live. So it activates right. the qualities. But I really I, want you to tell us about what this organization is yeah, about yeah. and yeah. Uh, so you, we can know about it. And the yeah. book, wait, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely it's really important uh, uh, to mention that the system itself, like our problem is the, ours together, the separation system and the system that built to serve certain percentage of the people that live between the river to the sea. Call it whatever you want. Yeah. I think uh, um, that led me also uh, my meetings with some Israelis at the time, the second Tifada, just to put the context, led me also to meet with Israelis that also refused to stay in the army. So we are talking about people also, I mean, you mentioned the, terror, <laughs> the terrorist and the hero and the other side, exactly. That's the story of uh, our stories of like narratives and multiple narratives, depending from which side you're coming. Uh, so we build like, it's, I'm one of a few people. So it's just to say, I'm honored to be part of this initiative build on a group uh, and we had one year of underground meetings secret meetings because you know we can't meet like logistic wise and security wise in the cantifada uh, so we because the type of people that start this organization ex-palestinian uh, prisoners and activists and ex-israeli soldiers so obviously it was uh, normal to choose the name uh, combatants for peace of course it was more men yeah. Uh, start with for the feminist people just to know to be honest and uh, and you know we went through a lot of processes and changes internally for like the last already it exists like more than 15 years and there are new generation coming in the organization our director now the Palestinian the organization have two sides yeah the Israeli side and the Palestinian side and work together but in every position, for example, because we talk about power dynamic, we had one Palestinian, one Israeli. For example, our directors now, like one in Tel Aviv, Yonatan, and uh, in the Palestinian side, uh, Rana, she's from Bethlehem, she also ran the Palestinian side. So uh, the decision-making process is really important that reflect the power dynamics. So in every committee, we have people from both sides. And we do different uh, type of activism because of the time, one side is really direct action on the ground to oppose the system and the occupation directly. We talk about it directly and honestly, and I know it's controversial for some of the people that are listening. And also we do reconciliation action like the Memorial Day, Yom Azikaron. We organize the joint yeah. Memorial Day. The alternative yes. Memorial Day yes. that is working uh, it's separate from the the, the, national the Israeli national memorial uh, memorial. Yeah. yeah. Of course, like the point is, we do uh, like as uh, my friend Khan Alon always speak about it, and other people. In that time that we oppose the system, we try to try to create a new reality. Yeah. 
and also like, acknowledgement yeah. of each other yes. each of other pain. history yeah. pain and loss yeah. yeah of course this is really the most important um, yes. reconciliation event even though we still under the occupation the conflict and we do like the nakba ceremony we did it in the last year and this year for the second time this is also another taboo that people in israel and the system don't talk about it it's important to acknowledge the the history as you said and uh, to move forward from there and throughout the year we do a lot of, uh, of action on the ground and in social media also and the uh, storytelling like what we do now usually you have one palestinian one israeli they're telling their stories of change and through the years, I think Combatants for Peace has won a lot of attention locally and internationally. We had also a lot of international alliances. We have American friends of Combatants for Peace. We had a group in Berlin because it's our type of conflict is very international. And I think we represent a line that represents a lot of people uh, that want really uh, to live in freedom and dignity and uh, a real peace between both sides. And I think combatants will be as part of a bigger circle of different Did you try other... to meet with our new minister? No, he was not here, but now he can do much more. Felix Trupel, our minister of education culture. culture. And with our minister of education, because you know, it will take a, a village mm. change. You know? Yeah, you, you, you spoke about if we don't affect our... Uh, I don't have our kids. <laughs> your sons or like my family or this. I think the change is happening, especially now with the social media. Uh, our message is getting wider. Uh, and also, let's say, what I know, like change happened in history, it's always a few, a few people. It looks very small, and that's not, why not easy to uh, sell hope to become masses. But we know, like I was in, um, we work with different organizations in different conflict zones, like in Cyprus, in the Balkans. I was in Berlin, I met uh, some folks from the time. And they told me like a day before Berlin wall full, nobody expected this to happen. Right. The city will be united again. So it's we have to- Boiling, really keep... boiling under. Yes, like but a-, a, a people And it's very important just to yeah. be there and discuss it. And I want to show, yeah. I want to talk about your book because this is really a way to, um, to get to many people as possible. Uh, this is the book that you wrote. Uh, and please tell us a little bit about this fascinating story and uh, your philosophy and your message. Uh, because we would like as many people to get it. You can get it in Amazon and, uh, and read it and uh, hopefully change your idea or your attitude or at least have some understanding or compassion or any positive way of thinking about things. Uh, thank you. So firstly, I have a, a friend, uh, she's the writer, Brina, her name is there, yeah. just to give credit, she lives in the rest. Uh, and work, we work on the book around like five, six years. Um, and I came like when I was uh, giving a talk about my story um, and like friend told me like, oh, you should write it in a book so it will reach more people. And it's really as again, as I said, like I, I would like ask people to pay attention to the ideas and to 
uh, our community is more than on me personally. I'm just like a messenger, maybe in this case, that I have access, I have privilege to uh, reach more people. Um, and it's also not easy maybe just to share my personal life like the publicly, you know, honestly, okay. it's not simple. With that said, I would say my wish from the book is really to give um, not analogical arguments. I'm not there at all. Rather, in a personal experience for myself and for many people I met through my, my life and activism, um, both my family and many Palestinians I, I met in, in my journey and Israelis as well that I saw them uh, really changing and trying to create this change on, on the reality. So to give legitimacy and humanization of all sides without legitimizing the occupied system, to be honest. And that's really important for me to, to say, because I believe also we have to go back to the roots of this conflict, uh, to the connection to the land, which I believe both sides has legitimate connection to the land again, without legitimizing the system uh, and recognizing each other existence here and really fighting together uh, using nonviolence for the liberation and the freedom of our peoples on both sides. I believe this is possible. I believe this is the only way. And I believe we have a lot in common. And uh, for me, I think recognizing the legitimate belonging to this place doesn't take each other legitimacy at all, rather the opposite, to open hearts of people. And this is what I saw in my life, in my experience, and it's... Uh, Therefore, you can, go, you can be there. I mean, people will listen to yeah. you just because you went from, you know, you, it's you, whatever you say, the, it's just, these are not just sentences, right? To please, yeah. to uh, look no, right It's heart. nothing to do with it, with you. No, I, yeah, speak my heart and yes, like what my personal experience is not even out amazing. of any or books amazing. or university. And uh, I hope uh, like people that interested in, in, in this conflict and want really to make a real peace and uh, real freedom here and change the system for better for everybody really and to heal the wound from because yes. we are like traumatized personally you ask me and as communities both sides carry trauma from generations even, and the yeah. fear, of course, of course. And I think we have in this land enough, what we call it ancient wisdom, really okay. to find uh, not just our Western theories, which is important, but also like a Middle East ancient wisdom that really bring us together. We have a lot in common um, to like really do the reconciliation uh, process and recognizing each other, not to the expense of each other. And I don't see controversial here. Okay. Right? Yeah. Really yeah. yeah. Suleiman, five years from now, take us. Uh, really, you're putting me in a very logical uh, step. So I'm, uh, no, I'm not like that this. that feeling. It just, it's, I, it's more, yeah. it's not logical. It's more like an yeah. optional something, you know, to, to hear, yeah. I'm curious five years from now. Look, I, look, I want to tell you, one of my friends, Israelis, Avner, and you can see I speak about him now like a really close friend. Yeah. Um, he's very logical uh, guy in, in combat and service. I'm more like a dreamer, like a, on, 
but not living in La La Land. My re uh, legs were the reality dreams. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So when uh, this documentary came out uh, on combatants for peace and his story there, my story that called Disturbing the Beast that we will also can watch it online. We showed a movie on the wall of Bejal and Separation Wall and in the cinematic in, in Jerusalem. In the one uh, in Jerusalem, we invited our families. So I met his mom there. And for us, because we are inside the story, we this is another movie or a book about right. our story right. or something like normal for us. But um, so his mom was like really telling him, I'm proud of you, you like make history. And I saw him first time crying. He's a very strong person. And we really hugged and like each other. And we thought together like years, this was 2016. We said like 10 years ago, when we started this group, we didn't know even this group will keep going together or having a name and there will be a movie and we were even nominated for Nobel Peace Prize and, 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 and we did events like the Memorial Day. We had 200,000 people watching on Zoom this year and last year, thanks right. for Corona. So I think uh, it is proving that a small group of revolutionary crazy right. people can really make this change. And uh, as they say, five years from now or 10 years, I really believe, uh, the earth has its say, we can't control everything. And as a friend told me always, and that's what keep me balanced as much, keep one leg in the dream and the vision and one leg in right. the reality. Yes. That's how we function. Well, uh, I, I would like to keep it in a positive tone. And thank you for coming. Thank you. And thank you for answering and for me some for of the being questions. Honest, for being honest. Oh, no, of course. Thank you. Absolutely. Wonderful. And thank you for everybody. And okay. see you next week. Okay. Take care. Bye. We'll meet again. Yes. Don't worry. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>